0: Bye. Good evening. If you would grab your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 3, we're going to get there in just a minute. Matthew chapter 3. This weekend, we are doing our first ever in-house baptism. You see the baptismal tank behind me. See the water? It's warm, nice, so it's not going to be like, woo cold. It's good, and we're going to be doing those uh, in just a few minutes, but we are in this series on flannel graph Jesus. So I wanted to talk tonight about baptism, why we do baptism, why Jesus got baptized, and why we should follow him. So we're going to kind of answer some whys. And I'm going to walk through this baptism of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 3 verses 13 through 17 in just a minute. And, um, but I want to say this, that a, that a water baptism is one of the most significant events in a believer's life. Uh, once you become a Christ follower, one of the first steps of obedience is to follow Christ in water baptism. Water baptism does not save you. It's an outward expression of an inward action. It's an outward expression of an inward belief that Jesus Christ is who the Bible says that he is and that you want everyone to know that you are a Christ follower. Now, it, it, when, when you speak of baptism, every Christ follower, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, should be baptized. Jesus said it like this in Mark chapter 8, verse 38. says this, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words... In this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of Him when He comes in His Father's glory with His holy angels. So, pretty much, sometimes we hear, well, I don't want to be baptized because I'm, I'm embarrassed or it's a little bit. I don't want to get wet in front of people and that kind of a deal. You see, the baptism of Jesus was very public, and that's what baptism is all about. It's a public expression of an inward decision. Baptisms are, when it comes up to, to the baptism of Christ Himself, which is kind of what we're going to talk about tonight... Uh, Baptisms are very important. There's something very special about the baptism of Jesus. It it brings everything that's happened in the Gospels into this sharp, crystal focus. Until now, everything that we read in the first three chapters of Matthew is all about preparatory and introductory. We, We see a lot about the birth of Christ. We see a little bit about the childhood of Christ. But basically, from the ages of 18 to the age of 30, those are called the silent years of Christ. We know very little about that. We know he was a son of a carpenter. He was a carpenter by trade, but also went through rabbinical school. We understand some basic things about him, but kind of he goes off the grid. Until Matthew chapter 3, when he becomes an adult, he he comes onto the scene. And everything is hinged upon this moment of baptism. Paul writes about it in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 5, when he says this, but when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of the Son. Now, Matthew looks at it, and let's look at there, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. We began to see this appearance of Christ. I'm just going to kind of read the Scripture, then we're going to kind of just dissect it a little bit as we kind of walk through this baptism of Christ. Verse 13 of Matthew chapter 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan, To be baptized by John. The word then, it refers to a specific point in time. It's like a public appearance of Jesus. I heard one scholar said it like this. The king left seclusion and obscurity to manifest himself to men. His way had been well prepared by John. The Bible says that he came from. It's the same term that's used in John verse 1. It carries the idea of like an official arrival, a a public appearance. It's like, ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. It's this, can I get a drum roll please kind of a moment. And that's what the author's intending here. Um, Imagine this. Think about this just for a second. The Son of the Living God, with 30 years of human preparation behind him, closes up his carpenter shop and walks down the dusty road to the Jordan River to begin his public ministry that will begin at baptism and end at the cross. See, John, Jesus came to see John. Why John? Because John was teaching and preaching baptism at the Jordan. Now, you have to understand, historically, Jesus and John were cousins, although there's no recorded historical account of the two of them ever meeting before they're grown men. Certainly, Elizabeth, John's mother, who knew Jesus, Luke chapter 1, verse 43, would have told John about him and his role as a forerunner. But Jesus, the Bible says, came for the express purpose to be baptized. Why did Jesus want to be baptized? Have you ever wondered that? Why did Jesus need to be baptized? Baptism goes hand in hand with confession of sin, verse 6 says, and it's an outward sign of inward repentance, but Jesus was sinless. He had no sin and no need to repent of sin. So why was Jesus baptized? I'm so glad you asked that question. Verse 14. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to baptize you, and yet you come to me. See, John, he tries to prevent him. The words to deter, or the, the, the King James Version says to prevent him, they're an imperfect tense of grammar, basically suggesting that John continued trying to prevent Jesus from being baptized. Think about this for a second. We just read this verse and just kind of go over it. It basically says that this is probably what happened. We don't know, but we know because of the tense of the grammatical uh, uh, phrasing there that it was an ongoing struggle. This wasn't just, hey, do you want to be baptized? I don't feel like I'm worthy. Okay, I'll baptize you. It was John physically grabbing Jesus and going, I cannot baptize you. I am not worthy and trying to prevent him from getting into the water. Can you imagine this scene? It's John probably at some point going, fine, if you won't leave the water, I'm going to step out of the water because I'm not even holy enough to unloose your sandals. Can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine what that must have felt like, what that must have looked like, how that must have unfolded? And yet Jesus continues to wade out into the water. And here was John's, John's logic. Verse 7 and 8, prior to this, to this account, he resists baptizing the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they had not repented, the Bible said. And he resists baptizing Jesus because Jesus has no need of repentance. So why does Jesus need to be baptized? Let's read in verse 15. He replied, "Jesus said, "Let it be now. let, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this with all to fulfill all righteousness." Then John consented. Jesus' plea basically says to John when he says, "Let it be so now." In other words, I know that this seems strange, John, but trust me, I have a reason for doing this. Just kind of a parenthetical thought. How often is it that God asks of you or of me to do something that in the moment feels completely strange and completely whacked, completely just jacked up, right? I mean, let's just be honest. It's like, you want me to go into full-time ministry. You want to use me to win a neighbor to the Lord. You want you use me to do something great for the kingdom. Me. And we see this all throughout Scripture. From the beginning of time, you have God wanting to use humanity. God wanting to step in from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament. God shows up and wants to use people, wants to do things in great ways. And yet many times the first human response is, Me? I think you got the wrong number. I think you have the wrong address. I don't think you're talking to the right guy here. And Jesus looks at him in a way that only the master could look at him. and says, This is how it has to be, John. Let this happen. Do this to fulfill what God wants to do. It must seem strange, but just obey. Just trust me. It's proper for us to fulfill our righteousness. For God's plan to be fulfilled, Jesus had to be baptized of John. And there's basically three reasons why this need to happen, why Jesus need to be baptized. First of all, baptism identifies Jesus with us. When Jesus gets baptized, he once again makes a statement to identify himself, the humanity of the man, because Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. He had to be that to be the perfect sacrifice. If he was only divine, then we would never be able to, uh, be able to connect with him or to identify with him. He would never truly be able to understand us. He would never truly be able to be the perfect sacrifice because, you know, he's God. He can walk on water for crying out loud, right? You guys are way too spiritual right now. Everybody's just really like it's the baptismal tank and it's right here behind me but he has to be human tempted and tried the Bible says in all manner and in all ways just as you and I yet without sin it has to be that divine combination of 100% God and 100% man and so when Jesus steps into the Jordan River to be baptized he identifies himself with the humanity that he comes to save Campbell Morgan, a theologian, said it like this, and I want to quote this. I think it's going to be on the screen. The supreme element and the baptism of Jesus was the identification of the sinless with the sinner. He who had no sin took his place among those who had sin. He who was sinless went down into the baptism, and that was the portion of the sinner. Isaiah 53, we read, he was numbered with the transgressors. That's you and I. There in baptism, as with the incarnation and the birth, and finally for the consummation in the mystery of the passion, we see the king identifying himself with the people over whom he reigns. In the fact of their deepest need and their directest failure. He was immersed in frailties, suffering and death of all mankind because he became one of us. He understands us. I don't know about you, but I'm going to tell you this, for me, the thing that I love so much about Jesus is not his, div- it's not his divinity, it's his humanity. Oh, I, I honor the, the divinity, he's God, don't, don't misunderstand me, he is God. He's Alpha Omega, beginning and the end, he's part of the triune Godhead of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, I get it, I understand it theologically and so forth and so on. But because of his humanity, he understands me in a way that God the Father, the Holy Spirit doesn't, because he's walked in my shoes. He understands the oppression. He understands the, the insecurities. He understands the frustrations. He understands the, the tempted and tried in all ways yet without sin. The second reason why Jesus is baptized is because it's an example for us. If Jesus, who had no need of salvation, was willing to be baptized, then how much more should we? Very simple. How much more should we, the grateful recipients of his salvation, be willing To be baptized with him. And the third thing that I see is that Jesus' baptism, again, it's an illustration. It's 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 a picture of his death, burial, and resurrection. Luke chapter 12 verse 50 says it like this. But I have a baptism to undergo, Jesus says. And how distressed I am until it's completed. So he identifies with us. He's an example for us. It's an illustration of what happens. Spurgeon said it like this Baptism beautifully sets forth the Lord's immersions and suffering for his burial and his resurrection. Now let's read on and let's kind of wrap this up in verses 16 through 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment the heavens, was o- heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him, and a voice from heaven saying, This is my Son of whom I love and the whom I am well pleased. He went up out of the water. John's custom was to baptize where there was much water. John chapter 3, verse 23 says, If Jesus had not been fully immersed in water, then how could he come up from it? The word baptism is a transliteration of the, of the Greek word baptismo, which means to immerse or to submerge or to dip. Baptism basically symbolizes being identified with Christ's burial and resurrection. This is clearly a picture of immersion, not of sprinkling or pouring. Those, those seem to not fit the symbolism. That's why we at Life Church practice water baptism by immersion, because that's how Jesus was baptized. And you may say, well, I've seen a picture. Well, I'm not asking of an artist rendering. I'm telling you when you read the Scripture, I'm not telling you. The Word Scripture tells us that he comes up out of the water, that he's being baptized in the Jordan River, that there's this immersion, there's this watery grave, and that he comes out of it. And it's a, it's a word picture. The same thing tonight as you see people being baptized this service and every service this weekend. It's going to be a physical illustration of what's happened in their life spiritually. That they go into the water one way, they come out completely soaking wet, completely washed of their sins. And again, baptism doesn't save you, but it's an illustration of what God does in your heart. Jesus went up from the water as he's standing in the river, and the heavens were opened up, the Bible says. And those watching saw the Spirit of, of the Lord descending like a dove, verse 17 says. John one thirty three says this, that God promised the sign of John the Baptist. Here it is. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me that the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. These activities, these these actions of the day are not just something that happens in the moment, but rather they're actually signs and confirmation that Jesus is the Son of God and He is God's only Son. The anointing of the Spirit is mysterious. It's a powerful sign that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, and the King of Kings. It's just another one of those confirmations that Jesus was fully divine. And why did he need to be anointed by the Holy Spirit? Have you ever wondered that? Why does the Holy Spirit need to come down and anoint him, if you would, or light upon him, as the, as the King James would say? He needed the Holy Spirit because he was also completely human. See, again, his humanity demanded that of him. Isaiah sixty-one-one says this, that the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. This is Prophecy of Jesus to preach the good news to the poor, he who has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release the darkness for the prisoners. The Spirit of God empowered Jesus' humanity to give him the power. Oh, yeah, he's 100% God, but he's also man. And again, he's an example of that to us. And this is something that this week in study that I came across, and maybe I'm just like, you know, I grew up in Arkansas, maybe that's my problem, I don't know, but it was, I never saw this before, and I thought, this is stinking cool. He said this, The Lamb, that Jesus, the Lamb of God, and the Holy Spirit came like a dove. And both of these to the Jews were creatures of sacrifice. Again, it was another layer of foreshadowing that he was going to come, not for himself, but to seek and save that which is lost. He was going to be the Lamb that was going to be slain from the foundation of the world. That he was going to be the ultimate sacrifice. It's very interesting. In his public ministry, he begins." With this this idea, this illustration of that. You see, basically the message from heaven is God authenticates Jesus' divinity. Yes, he was a son of man and he was Mary's boy. But at the same time, he was also miraculously conceived by the Holy Spirit. And the virgin's womb, he was a son of God. And when God said of Jesus, I am well pleased, quote, end quote, in verse 17. Before a sacrifice could be made... Before God, it had to be offered to be pure and spotless without blemish. And in reality, none of the lambs that have been offered to God ever were totally without blemish. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4 says this, Because it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. All those sacrifices of the Old Testament, all those sacrifices up to that moment were but a picture, a foreshadowing of the ultimate true sacrifice that was to come. John called him the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And that's exactly who Jesus was and is. The one who takes away the sins of the world. And that's what we celebrate tonight. That's what the story is about. That's what the account is about. That's what we're going to have a full illustration, if you want to call this an object lesson, way, although it's way much more than that in the lives of the individuals that are going to be baptized. That's what's going to be happening. That's why we're here today, because Jesus takes sin away. That's why over 30 people are getting baptized this weekend, because Jesus takes the sin away. I want to say this and then I'm going to uh, dismiss our baptismal candidates and then we're going to pray and then we're going to get ready to baptize. Very simply, baptism is not just some spiritual ritual or some righteous activity. Every person that will come this weekend and be baptized are saying, you're going to see their testimonies on the screen, are saying this, I once was lost, but now I'm found. was blind, but now I can see. They're all going to testify the amazing grace of what God does. Some of them are going to be children who have been raised in God-honoring homes. Matter of fact, tonight I get to baptize my eight-year-old. And some of them have been people that have lived a lot of life in the last couple of months. They've come just Head on in a collision with the grace of God. But all of them, all of them have found salvation rich and free. To them, this isn't just a ritual. To them, this is a this is my story moment. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. To them, this is a a, a moment where they're simply saying to you, hey, this is who I have found, and that's Jesus. And if you've been invited by one of these that are here, they didn't invite you just because they wanted someone to show up and be here. They invited you because they want to tell you, listen, this is who has changed my life. This is who has come in and given me peace that passes understanding and joy that makes it through the darkest night and something that brings through my sorrow. This is it. And for those of you that are here, it's been a long, long time since you've darkened the door of a church. And although this doesn't feel like the typical traditional church with steeple and stained glass, you still have that same gut feeling. And that's because it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not me. It's not a message. It's not a sermon. It's not something that we spray in the air. (laughs) It's God. And it's because these people are telling their story of someone named Jesus. Who 2,000 years ago did what they're going to do tonight. All for the exact same reasons. Because there is hope. There is a Savior who loves you and me.